0: I've been playing on the shore. Now I'm diving in because I wanna know you more.
1: You are like a mountain. I've been camping at the base.
2: Now I'm heading to the top. I wanna see your face. I wanna
1: Comprehend why you would desire What a good thought right there. Good word, good verses on seeking the Lord, desiring more of the Lord. And I want to challenge you this morning because I think that would be our prayer, that we would want more of the Lord in our life. But have you ever thought of it this way? Then maybe God wants more of you? We want more of God. We want to seek Him. We want to be close to Him. But have you ever thought God wants more of you? That's what we're talking about today. God wants more of you. His presence is available. He he created us to be in his presence. If you look at Adam and Eve and walking with the Lord in the garden, he he wants to be in that relationship with us. And, And then when we fell, but Israel came and they're wandering in the wilderness, you know where he put his tabernacle? Where his presence dwelt? He put it right in the middle of the camp. He wanted to be with his people. God has always wanted to be with you. And Jesus tells us in John 16 on the last night of his life that I'm sending you the Holy Spirit so that my presence can be with you all the time. Because God says, I want more of you. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. And so you can get out your Bibles and your sermon notes. Your sermon notes are on the back of your bulletin and get a pen that's in front of you to write down what the Lord would speak to your heart. This morning, but uh, we're talking about the good life. The good life. Everybody knows what the good life is, right? I mean, you want the good life. You, you see it, and other people have it, and, and you can get jealous of it, but that good life, I want to live the good life. And whether we were honest or not, we're all striving for the good life. We want that good life. We might define it differently, but we all want it, and we all strive for it. And so, what we've been doing in this sermon series is looking at How does the Bible define the good life? Or more importantly, how does Jesus define the good life? Because what if the good life was the opposite of what you thought it was? What if it was the opposite of what you're striving for? We need to know what God says is the good life and and go after that. And so we're going to talk about one today. And we're going to go a little deeper into this. And and a lot of people think the good life is an easy life. The good life is a comfortable life. The, the good life is the one with no stress and no problems. That would be the best, right? Living on easy street, the easy life, that's the best life, right? It doesn't work that way, does it? Life isn't easy. In fact, it's quite difficult. We talked about it all summer in our Real Life series that real troubles come into our lives. And we said, if, if my life was just easy... My life was just comfortable. Then I'd have the good life. But if you took time to really examine what you consider the easy life, the comfortable life, if you took time to really kind of take that apart and look at what the, how you would define the, the easy life, it really is a very selfish life. I don't want to be bothered. I don't want to be uncomfortable. I, I don't want to be inconvenienced. And that would be a selfish Life And so we need to replace that selfishness with relationship. That relationship with God. Relationships will cure you of selfishness. You want to get over your selfishness? Get into a good relationship with someone else. A positive relationship. You, you're, not allowed to be, you're not allowed to be selfish in good relationships. Or, or start dating someone. Better yet, get married. The best cure for selfishness? Have some kids. That will cure you of your selfishness because relationships begin to take our selfishness away, and God is calling us to a relationship with Him. He's saying, "Come to Me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest." We talked about that last time. You can listen to any of these sermons online. And this idea of coming to Him and He's going to lift our burdens and give us rest—that we think, "Yes, it's going to be easy," but that's not what Jesus promises. He doesn't say, "Just come to Me and do nothing." and live a safe, selfish, uh, do-whatever-you-want kind of life. He says, come to me and lay your life down. Lay your life down. Eugene Peterson said, the kingdom of self is heavily defended territory. I can't believe, and no one said amen to that. I mean, come on, that is, that is, there's probably no truer statement that I'm going to say today, but that the kingdom of self... Is heavily defended territory. And, and we, we want it our way. We don't want to do things God's way. We don't want to do, you know, we want to do it our way. And I'm going to tell you, when you begin to adjust kingdoms, there's going to be a war. There's going to be a battle. One kingdom doesn't replace another kingdom without a battle. And, and, and Jesus is saying, this shouldn't be a battle. This should be a surrender. You just need to lay your life down. Jesus teaches in Luke chapter 9, Verse 23, Then he said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. Take up your cross and daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. He says, lay down your, your selfish ways. Pick up your cross. Follow me. And the great thing is, Jesus showed us the way. He said, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to lay my life down for you and so that you can... Lay down your life for me and follow me. And I want to tell you, when you lay down your life to God, that's the abundant life, the everlasting life. That is the good life. Being a disciple, following Jesus is what it's all about. That's the good life. But what does it cost? It will cost you, you. It's going to cost you, you. It's going to be you laying yourself down. It's you giving more of yourself to God, just as Jesus calls us to lay our life down, and he gave us that example of serving, and so we lay our way life down, and we say, God, we're going to do it your way. I'm not going to do it my way. I'm not going to do it the world's way. I'm going to do it your way. God, I'm going to put you first in my life. I'm going to put you at the center of my life, and I'm going to follow you. Jesus teaches about the cost of discipleship in Luke chapter 9, beginning of verse 57. It says, as the crowds were walking along, someone said to Jesus, "I will follow you wherever you go." But Jesus replied, "Foxes have dens to live in, and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head." He said to another person, "Come, follow me." The man agreed, but said, "Lord, let me first return to my home and bury my father." But Jesus told him, "Let the spiritually dead bury their own dead." Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. Another said, Yes, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, Anyone who puts his hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying in these three incidences here, right right away saying, This isn't going to be comfortable. It's not going to be easy. Jesus in essence, saying, it hasn't been easy for me. It's not going to be easy for you. I'm asking you to to lay down your life. Not to say, well, if it doesn't work out, I'll just go back to what I was doing before. No, lay it all down. There's an urgency in Jesus' voice. You need to do this right now. Don't wait. Lay it down and follow me. A little later in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14, he talks about following Jesus and the cost of following him. It says, a large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, if you want to be my disciple, you must hate everyone else by comparison. Your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started the building and couldn't afford to finish it. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him? If he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. So you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. Jesus is saying this is going to cost you you. Estimate the cost. Count the cost. Make sure you're willing to do this. We've been doing some amazing updates in in the classroom building, and we're about to tear down the ramp, put a new one up, and new carpet, a new tile, and it's going to look beautiful when it's done. Kind of an extra part of the project, And, and the reason we're able to do all this is because Kelly Spencer estimated the project before we began. He's on our pastor's council. Kelly estimates the high-rises in downtown Chicago, and so that's what he does for a living. And so our project is kind of small, but he put in all the contingencies, everything there, so that we wouldn't run out of money, that we would be good stewards of what you gave for the renovations. And not only were we able to do what we said we would do, we were able to do more because of the, the good estimating that happened in the beginning. And that's how our life works. That's how families work, budgets work, that's how work works. That's how life works. It's estimating, counting the cost. Am I willing to do this? Not just saying on a Sunday morning when the worship is strong, yeah, I'm gonna do this. No, but just saying, I'm willing to lay my life down. I'm counted the cost. I want the good life. I'm gonna lay it all down and I'm gonna follow him. And Jesus says, you know what? this will be the best decision you ever make because this is valuable. He tells a parable about a a pearl of great price that that when it's found, the person goes out and they sell everything they own just to buy that pearl. And they sell everything with gladness because they know the value of that pearl. And Jesus said, if you really knew the value of following me, if you knew the value of, of what it was to be my disciple, to have abundant, everlasting, good life, And you would sell everything. You would give up everything to get it. So that's our call as disciples. That's our call as believers is to lay our life down. And so we've talked about the words of Jesus, but how do we do this in the day in which we live? Back then, they would just leave everything and start following him because Jesus was here. And so they would leave everything behind and go and they would follow him. So how are you and I supposed to do this today? How is this going to work in our lives? I want to talk practically about what it means to give up yourself, what it means to to draw near, to listen, to be in that relationship with God. And so this part of the the message is very practical, and so this is maybe where you want to start taking notes and and writing some things down that the Lord would speak to you. but, But there's There's something called the spiritual disciplines, and there's a lot of different spiritual disciplines that we could do. These are practical things that we can do in in following Jesus. Richard Foster wrote a book called The Celebration of Discipline, and he has all the disciplines listed. But I'm just going to look at one section of the disciplines, and that's the inward disciplines. And you see them on the screen there, meditation, prayer, fasting, and study that we need to begin to apply these to our lives. This idea of meditation is meditating on God's Word, spending time with Him, talking with Him, allowing Him to speak to us, but just that maybe meditating on a verse. You know, the Lord is good. His love endures forever. Just meditating on that and allowing the Lord, the Holy Spirit, to speak to you. Or, or prayer, speaking to God, sharing your heart with the Lord and allowing Him to share His heart with you. Or, or fasting, giving something up to to, to be more in tune with God and his leading and, and kind of leaning into him for strength or or study is reading our Bible, studying the Word of God, uh, growing in god 's word, and so those are some practical things that we can do. but how does this play out in our life? Uh, a number of weeks ago, uh, Jared and Heather came up and they, they uh, uh, told me that God had kind of led them into a season of prayer and fasting for our church and in their life and for our world. And, and, uh, and so we talked about that a little bit and it was, it was exciting because anybody that's, that's going deeper in God, man, I'm all in and I love to hear what God's doing because I know God's going to honor that. And then as we talked and, and the weeks progressed and, and God was working in their life, um, uh, through fasting, they, they began to share even more. And so we talked even last week, and I said, uh, I've got this message, and, and I want to kind of do a practical thing kind of right in the middle. And so I'm going to invite Jared and Heather to come up, and they're going to share a little bit of what's been happening in their life. And it's not just for them, it's, it's really for all of us. And I can't tell you how much I love and appreciate Jared. He is one of the most loyal and fast friends that I have. And I've known Jared since he was a young teenager from Fort Dodge, Iowa, and the Hawkeyes are ten and Oa here, so go Hawkeyes, uh, but uh, um, yeah, so, but, you know, I just appreciate Jared's heart, he's on our pastor's council, and he's going to share some very practical things with us now, and I want not just to be a part, I don't want this to just be a part of Jared and Heather's life, I want it to be a part of all of our lives, and so this is how we can live it out.
2: Thanks, Pastor. Well, it's an honor to share with you this morning the things that God is doing Uh, in my family's life and and with Heather and I. Just a little bit about myself. I'm a son, a brother, a husband, a father, an uncle. I swear when I hit my hand with a hammer, especially the second time around within five minutes, it's like, (laughs) ooh. I have some type of pain in my body every day. My newest vehicle is 11 years old. Um, There's nothing special about me. And if I can do a a two-week fast, you can do a fast. And just because Heather and I, you know, did two weeks and and we actually got together um, with our family, you know, with the kids and ate dinner with them every night, but everything else uh, we fasted food-wise and just did, you know, drinks during the day and no snacking or anything like that. Um, That's not exactly what you have to do, but you have to do what God calls you to do. And I would encourage you to seek the Lord about how he would have you fast and and what he would have you to do. But I'm telling you, if we can do it, you can do it. Fasting, I believe, is for everyone because God wants us to go deeper in him. Each and every one of us are called to go deeper in God. Now, you can look at your relationship with God When you first accept him as personal Lord and Savior, uh, I'm talking about Jesus here. He died on the cross for us. When you first accept him, you can look at it in one of two ways. It can be the beginning of the journey or the end of the journey. You can think, wow, I'm going to heaven. I'm good. I'm going to float. Or you can say, you know what? This is just the beginning, and I really want to go deeper in God, and I want to know him. I want to know his heart. And we're going to look in... um, Let's see, Matthew chapter 6. Just go ahead and turn there while I continue to, to share with you. But I want to tell you this, church, it's time to go to work. It is time to go to work. We need to examine ourselves and get right with God. And we need to repent. And we need to allow him to show us the things that are in our lives that are not pleasing to him. We need to set ourselves apart in this world of uncertainty. Really, we need to set ourselves apart. What makes us different than the world? What, how do we look different? As a church, as a body, as a Christian, do we look any different? Not if we're just kind of floating through life and saying, whatever may be, will be. I don't believe that we should be thinking that way. I believe that God has a purpose and a plan for our lives very specifically to make a difference and an impact in this world. We need to understand why we were created. We were created to be with God and to glorify him and to walk with him, just like Adam and Eve did in the garden. It's like, man, they just hung out with God, and it was like super cool, you know. They just spent time together and, and, and enjoyed one another but unfortunately sin changed that original plan. It's just the the results that we live in, you know, unfortunately. But God's heart is that each and every single person know him and not just accept him as personal lord and savior, but really genuinely know him. Like really know him. Like intimately Do you desire to know God's heart? That's the main question. Well, again, in Matthew chapter 6, this is basically instructions on keeping things uh, that you do unto God private. Um, But I call this the action chapter, or kind of where the rubber meets the road. If you want a practical way of going deeper in God, I think this chapter is totally it. It's a good place to gauge your walk with God. And this chapter has five points that take a natural progression uh, in your spiritual walk with God. The first one is giving to the needy, and then prayer, and then fasting, and then treasures in heaven, and not worrying. I'm going to give you a little homework assignment here. Go home and read Matthew chapter 6. I'm not going to read it here right now. I just don't have the time. But uh, if you want to go deeper in God, delve into this chapter and begin to look at these different points. First of all, giving to the needy. Jesus cares about us. And he cares about our needs. You know, one of the things that uh, um, my parents have always said is, um, meeting physical needs will open your spiritual eyes. My parents are missionaries. They started out in Albania went to China and then Vancouver, and that's when Heather and I joined them in the missions organization. Uh, and now they're in, in Windsor, up above Detroit. And uh, they really have a heart for Detroit, and they're serving the Lord there. Every place they've ever gone, they just look for the deeds. And they just begin to fill them. I want to tell you, there's so many hurting people. Each one of us are hurting. There's so many hurting people in this world that don't know Jesus. They need a touch from the Lord. They need to know that there's hope. And they need to know that there's somebody that cares about them so much that he died for them. But we have to get bold. And we have to do the sacrificial things that are going to cause us to go deeper in God. To build our confidence in him. The second one is prayer. Spending time with God to know his heart. See, this passage gives us the instructions on how to pray, and Pastor Daryl even gave a message about a month ago on the Lord's Prayer. So if you get distracted and it's hard for you to pray, man, look into this chapter a little bit deeper, and it'll help you to stay focused in your time of prayer. And the third thing is fasting. Uh, Mark uh, chapter 1 talks about Jesus after he was baptized by John the Baptist, he was sent out right away by the Holy Spirit. He went into the desert. Forty days he fasted, and he was tempted by the devil. You know what it says at the very end? I find this very interesting and very intriguing. Who came to his aid to to um, nourish him and everything? It wasn't John the Baptist. It wasn't any human being. It was the angels. And let me tell you something, when you go deep in God and when you start to fast, what fasting will do is it will take away the physical things that you depend on every day, food. I am a guy who likes food, as you can tell. (laughs) So fasting is not easy, but I truly believe that the Holy Spirit will supernaturally meet your physical needs. I'm a general contractor, and I'll tell you what, I, when I was fasting and, and seeking the Lord and, and I'd be on the job, there were times when I was up 30 feet in the air on a ladder, weak, tired, a little dizzy. My wife doesn't like to hear that. <laughs> but that's when you say, Jesus, I need you right now. And supernaturally, he gave me strength. All of a sudden, snaps me out of things, you know, like, whoa. God will do it when you lean into him, when you desire him, when you trust him. But man, it takes work. The other things that fasting, I really believe, did for us and did for me personally is heighten my sensitivity to God And it piqued my desire to spend time with him. It activated and increased my faith and level of dependence on him. And it increased my hunger for his word. And it made praying for people and sharing my faith second nature. I was at Home Depot one day. Well, actually, I'm pretty much there every day because I start my day there picking up materials for the job and things like that. And the cashier was just sharing with me, you know. She was sneezing and coughing and, you know, just having a rough day. And, and uh, man, she was sharing with me, I've had this cold for like two weeks and nothing's working. I've been to the doctor two or three times. And, you know, normally I would go, man, I'm going to pray for her and say a prayer as I walk away. Or, you know, I should be praying for her. Maybe I should, you know, God, do you want me to pray for her, you know? And I was like, <laughs> You know, and then it's kind of like you list 10 things in your mind on why you shouldn't do that right there, you know, because of your own insecurities and whatnot. But instantly, I just said, Can I pray for you? And I grabbed her hand and I said, Jesus, I believe that you can heal her. I believe it, God. And I mean, I just started just praying. Um, And it wasn't like a five or ten minute prayer. It was just like, Jesus, heal her. Take this cold away. I believe you can do it. Done. And she just looked at me and said, thank you very much. That's all it took to be different, to shine Jesus' light in the world. And it became second nature. I didn't even think about it. It was just like, oh. And Jaden was with me. And he was like, wow, Dad, that was really cool, you know. We began to see Jaden change and begin to seek the Lord more and, and be more thankful about the things that he has in his life. I mean, it, it really impacted our family. So when you do that, it begins to show you the next step of like treasures in heaven. That's the, the fourth point. It helps you realize when you're, where you're putting your time, your talents, your money, and your energy. Things just begin to um, to just awaken. You know, it's like you just be, you become more sensitive to the things that are in your life. Things start to look different. Your heart starts to change. You 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 want to look at things more supernaturally and and more in the spiritual realm. And the things in the world they start not to matter as much. I mean, you know, it's like TV and things like that. You're like, wow. You know, i got to watch this show. I love it so much. It's like that starts to not even become important anymore, you know. Even though you enjoy those things, it's just like your heart starts to change. And it's pretty cool. And the fifth thing that I see is don't worry about, uh, in, in this passage, don't worry. It means total trust in God. Don't worry about what you'll eat or drink or your body. Again, letting God provide for your physical needs supernaturally. And I find it very interesting. I, I, I kind of have a little illustration here of an eyeball. It's interesting how in, in the passage of Scripture, there's five things that, that progress naturally. But as you put fasting in the center, you know, as like a pupil, will adjust to make things more clear, you know, open and close, that you surround your, these other things with fasting. All these things really become more into focus, and they become more practical and and more real. See, fasting is designed for all of us. It's not easy, and it will cost you something in the natural. But your purpose and effectiveness in this world for the kingdom of God will soar. I promise you that. See, it can cause a radical thought change. Just think about this for a moment. What if we knew God so intimately that we actually believed his plans for our life and his purpose with so much confidence that nothing could come against us like sickness, disease, demons, or people? I really believe that we can have authority through intimacy because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. I'll tell you what, that's, that's difficult thinking because I'm not there yet, and I would love to be there. But that's a road that is hard traveled to start to think like that and to start to have the faith to believe like that. I got a buddy of mine. He's a general contractor also, and we were talking one day. He was working for me on a job, and I think he has five or seven kids. I'm not sure. Josh has five kids. Is that right, Heather? Four kids? Oh, okay. Sorry. Anyway, he's got a few kids. <laughs> but, you know, we were talking about the cost of of things, and it was kind of in the recession time when things were turning a few years back, and he And I was saying, you know, yeah, we got life insurance and regular insurance and all that. And he's like, we don't have life insurance. He's like, I don't need it. And I was like, what do you mean you don't need it? You got four kids and all this? And he's like, no, I'm not going to die. And I was like, that is a bold statement. But he said, Jared, God has such a purpose and plan for me that I just know that it's not my time anytime soon. And I'm just going to trust in him for that. That's powerful. We need to get to that place. I'm going to ask Heather to come up and, and just share and wrap this time up. But seek the Lord about how you can fast and go deeper in him.
0: I wanted to share my testimony about fasting, too. Um, Over the summer, I had recent thoughts of just this country and the direction that we're going and just the need for revival and repentance. And um, in the beginning, it was kind of a situation where I was seeing the log in everybody else's eye. And then I realized I had a pile of logs in my eye. (laughs) So um, I realized that I needed to do something drastic, really, to hopefully be a part of what's gonna, you know, help this country turn around and avoid judgment. And as I was praying about it, um, I realized that I needed to return to God and actually repent of being lukewarm. Um, And I felt like God was saying to fast for two weeks, kept hearing two weeks. And I didn't wanna hear two weeks. (laughs) I thought like a day, you know, (laughs) like I can do a day. And it was difficult for my nurse scientific mind to kind of wrap around that, thinking in the natural, how is that going to affect my body? How is it going to affect my health? And as I prayed about it more, I realized that my thoughts on fasting were limited. I just kept thinking, well, fasting is more praying during the time that you're not eating, and it's a God-honoring sacrifice. But the more I prayed about it, God, show me that, although that might be true, it's more about me totally relying on God for every need, including my physical need, and he would actually nourish me physically through my obedience and nourish me spiritually, which would lead me to humility, less pride, um, and moving beyond the natural into the supernatural. I think it just opens up that portal more through our sacrifice. And I think that's where he wants us to be continually, because otherwise how are we going to distinguish ourselves um, from non-believers? Um, you know, we Jared mentioned, you know, his parents are missionaries, and they recently had some awesome testimonies of these kings in Africa over these tribes. They're being healed, and then they believe. And. That's how we're going to distinguish ourselves. We're going to stand in front of them and say, be healed in Jesus' name. And these people are getting healed. And if kings of tribes are getting healed, guess what? The tribe's going to get healed too. You know, we've got to move in that. And so the results of the fast for me was my dependence on God for my nourishment opened up this closeness to God, which led to more conversations. And more conversations I had actually led to more repentance with him which brings us back to God, which leads to more revelation and healing and victory. And I examined my life and asked what's unpleasing to him. What can he take away through my repentance and his work on the cross that's hindering my closeness to him? And how can I do the work of the kingdom? What is he calling me to do? And I also heard his voice clearer. I made more time for conversational prayer, I think, a lot of us do. We just sit down and talk to God and amen and we move on but I'm trying to get better at giving him some time to talk to me too and making it a conversation and I wasn't expecting this but our church services were awesome during those two weeks. I was like amazed and just the spirit was more alive during that time and I, I feel it even since then and um, as Jared mentioned too it's open my spiritual eyes to the works of the Spirit, too. Um, I wasn't expecting that either, but it's it's almost like some blinders have been lifted off, and you really begin to see things more in the spiritual instead of the natural. And there's been continued lessons since the fast. Um, repentance has, is not only just a one-time thing, it's a continued thing. It's a daily thing that we have to continue to do to get closer to God, and Relying on God for all my needs um, helping me be a better mom and and even our physical needs and um, Helping us at work And I'm using my spiritual eyes more. I'm being you know bold for God. Jared had a testimony the other day I was at work and this guy His only hope was a prayer. Uh, He wasn't even on patient. I walked in. I told the nurse he needs prayer, right? She's like, well, yeah I'm like, well, let's go (laughs) We gathered around and we prayed um sometimes that's the only hope that people have and we need to be that person to be god in their life because otherwise who else is going to do it and um i really feel like you know i remember as a teenager reading that verse jesus said you will do everything that i am doing and even greater things we're not even seeing that like ever you know so we need to start doing that um What did he do? He he was blessing people and he was teaching people. He healed people. He raised people from the dead. So let's start doing this stuff so we can start seeing that. Let's start it here in Mount Prospect in CLC. And um, I just want to encourage all of us to be that light to other people and start it in our hearts so we can show others who Christ is.
1: Thank you, Heather. Thank you, Jared, for sharing that uh, today. And and fasting is so powerful. And when when Jared was sharing that illustration, that fasting—it's in the middle of that list. And when you think of it as the center, all of a sudden everything around it starts expanding. And God wants more of you. God wants more of you. You need to die to yourself. You know what's great about dead people? Nothing bothers them. Can't bother a dead guy. He says, "I want all of you. I want to tell you this works. Fasting works. I can't tell you how many times where and and it's not just fasting food. Food is an important part of it, but but you can fast TV, uh, the news, social media, different things. and, And and Jared and Heather will be here after service. They can talk to you more about fasting. They'll they'll make themselves available. But we can give something up and at that moment connect with God in a deeper way. And it's a powerful tool." I remember one time we were going through something as a church, and it was so. I was like, I don't know. There's no way out. I mean, no human. I can't figure this one out. I don't know. And God said, "Well, fast and pray." I fasted and prayed, and the situation disappeared. I can't even explain it. Just supernaturally, just disappeared. Uh, another time, God would call us to fasting and, and prayer, and, and so I'm. I'm. Uh, and there's a. And wouldn't you know? There was a pastors' meeting in the city, and and. Uh, Leslie will tell you when I fast that I get headaches, and I'm very crabby. I'm just not a good person to be around. And so I'm fasting, and I've got the headache and everything, and I'm like, oh, I don't want to go downtown. And the real reason I didn't want to go to this pastor's thing is they were going out to a nice lunch, and I wasn't going to be able to eat. So that's what I was really upset about. But I'm like, oh, I'll just go, and I go. And so we have this pastor's meeting, and then you break off with one other pastor. And they say, well, you guys need to pray together. And so I'm like, all right. Um, and I said, what's going on? And he goes, nothing. I'm good. It's all good. And, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Something happens when you fast, your, your, your senses become heightened. Um, I had food poisoning the other week and my sense of smell got heightened. (laughs) You know, when I'm, when, when you're that sick, you can smell into the past and into the future and everything, you know, you're just like, you're like, whoa, you know, because that, that heightened sense, you know, that sensitivity. And when you fast, you sensitive. It was almost like an audible voice as he said, no, I'm good. It, it was like somebody was standing right here speaking to me here. ask him about his son. I said, hey, what, what's going on with your son? The guy collapsed into his seat and starts weeping. He goes, how did you know? And I said, I, I, I don't know. And his son is a prodigal story. And, and I'm like, we need to just pray. And so we prayed and and, uh, and not just from that prayer, but from many prayers, that son is back and living for the Lord and it's all good. But, but I would have never known that had it been for that moment of just the Lord speaking in that heightened sensitivity. Because I, I believe we just hear those whispers louder when we're fasting. Mark Batterson, who's a good friend of our church, writes best-selling books that sell millions of copies, and we've done some of his series and some of his small group material and things like that, but, but Mark Batterson, he preaches on Saturday night because uh, they have one campus at Saturday night, he preaches that sermon, they videotape it, and then they show it at the eight other campuses that Sunday morning, so thousands of people, but he only preaches on Saturday night. So he's preaching, and he says this, he goes, I never eat on Saturday, he goes, because I want to walk into the pulpit weak, because when I'm weak, he is strong. I love that picture, that picture that when we're weak, he is strong. And in the lobby out there, uh, just before we go, um, there's how to have a quiet time with the Lord every day. And and my personal way of studying the Bible, the soap method, it's all out there in the lobby. It's on the bookcases on the table out there so that that you can get into God's word, that you can just kind of lay yourself down. Because following Jesus, it costs you everything, yes, and it's not easy, no, but I'm going to tell you it's the best. It's the good life. I want to tell you, it's the everlasting, abundant life. And imagine what your life would be like if you just said, I'm laying it all down. I'm laying it all down. I'm following you, Jesus. Let's pray together today before we go. And um, just bow your heads and your hearts. I'm going to pray with you this morning. We're just going to sing, God, you reign before we leave and receive the blessing of the Lord. But. I think the Lord's been speaking loud and clear to us, uh, whether it be just over the last number of weeks or maybe just right now in your life. But he's saying, I just want you to lay it down. I want you to lay everything down and follow me. This is not about an easy, comfortable life. That's not the good life. The good life is dying to yourself, being in relationship, in tune with him, doing it his way. Today, with your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you are saying, if you want to say, just yeah, I'm in on this. I've counted the cost. I'm, I'm, I'm doing this. I, I'm. I don't want just more of God. I want to give Him more of myself. If you want to say, I want to give God more of myself, would you stand to your feet right now? No one's looking around. I don't expect everybody to stand, but if you just want to say, hey God, I'm in on this one. I'm willing to fast. I'm willing to pray. I'm li- willing to lay my life down. I'm willing to do it your way, not my way. If you're just willing to do that, just stand your feet. I want to pray for you today. I'm going to pray for everybody. But it's just this is between you and the Lord. Lord, today, uh, God, you see every heart in this place. God, we could sing song after song of wanting more of you. But God, you're, you're, you're singing right back to us. I want more of you too. So God, today we surrender ourselves. We give ourselves to you. We want to die to ourselves so that we can be more like you. And Lord, today we just ask you to reign and rule in our life, God. Jesus, we're going to follow you as you laid your life down for us. We're laying our life down for you today. Lord, you reign. Let's sing that together this morning before we go.